Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to Hotel Moment. Uh, today, I'm joined by Jeremy. Jeremy, if you'd like to introduce yourself, sir. Hi, everyone. Jeremy Marquardt with Conference Direct. Excellent. And Jeremy, tell us a little bit about yourself, your history, and uh, what you do there at Conference Direct. Sure thing. Yeah. So I spent now 22 years, I guess, in hospitality. The first 13 of those years on the hotel side. I was in sales. I was a director of sales, director of sales and marketing and some pretty cool resorts, uh, mostly with Starwood Hotels when it was Starwood Hotels before it got bought by Marriott. In 2012, so now nine years ago, I uh, left the hotel side of the world to join Conference Direct. And what we do at Conference Direct is we help our clients find the perfect venue, hotel space, conference space for their meetings and events. And we act as a broker between our clients and the hotels. So I'm constantly, I, I kind of jumped from trying to recruit my clients to my hotels to now representing them as they go do business around the world. Definitely, definitely. And that's seen quite a bit of change, of course, with everything going on in the world. How is the things oh, going yeah. now with everything? It seems you know, like it's been, uh, it's been bouncing back. So, Yeah, it's been a long, hard winter. Let's put it like that. Uh, 2020, I think, rocked our industry like we've never been rocked before. We have been through a lot of downs, many ups, of course. But 2020 was a game changer in so many different ways. I think that from our perspective, people who are planning events, we were doing most of, spending most of our time rebooking, canceling programs, mm -hmm. trying to find space in 22 and beyond, you know, dealing with hotels who there's that tricky spot where, where groups are not Im immediately impacted by COVID, but they're, you know, they could be potentially in six to eight months. We're sure we're still not sure how the market will look. So we spent a lot of time moving stuff into the future. But that, yes, to, to echo your point, I think we are through the worst of it. We're seeing a lot of activity. I just got back from my first big group in Mexico a few weeks ago, and it feels good to kind of be back in the action and booking new business and not simply moving stuff around from one, uh, from one set of dates to another. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and actually is a two-part question on this one. One, how have you seen the contracting part process change in particular when it comes to things where um, you're looking at rebooking uh, force majeure and I mean, COVID itself is here. So I've kind of been hearing from people in the industry that, well, COVID itself isn't a, an excuse to cancel or move a meeting anymore. So how you've heard hotels readopt uh, that idea of, you know, moving forward to pandemic when it comes to that side of an organization, you know, that that's still a, a real concern for a lot of companies. Yeah, not only is it a real concern, but I, I disagree with the fact that it's not a reason to cancel anymore. I deal with several international clients and border crossing is as simple from Canada into the US. It's nearly impossible or it's at least extremely difficult, let's say. So there really is, you know, real impact still happening now. I've got a client that's actually planning a meeting in October or has planned a meeting in, in October in Miami. It's been on the books for almost two years, but they're primarily international and they're really scared that half their attendees won't be able to come simply because of the laws uh, of international travel. So to ask, answer your question about how contracting has changed, you know, I think in the past force majeure was a term that you assigned to one major big event that you could contained within a certain set of dates within a certain week or two. And, 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 you know, we'll cancel because of a hurricane. We'll cancel because there is an earthquake. That's how you refer to force majeure. What COVID has taught us is force majeure can be a scrolling, rolling, you know, in the, in the context of a pandemic, it's not something you can contain. It's a lot harder to define. So mm -hmm. we've definitely reworked our force majeure terms, or at least our ideal 
clause within a force majeure to better protect our clients. I think that there is a lot of gray area when it comes to force majeure where it used to be thought of as a simply a black and white issue. If there's a hurricane coming or the hotel is closed because of a hurricane, well, that's easy. Uh, we get a force majeure. But with so much gray area and a pandemic that continues to roll along, it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint exactly when the pandemic starts and when it ends. And that certainly has uh, it's kept us on our toes for sure as we negotiate with hotels and have tried to massage things with hotels and really tap into partnerships to get solutions that the hotel can live with and our clients can live with as well. Yeah, and it, have you seen kind of a best practice around that? Of course, I, I mean, to your point, you guys have your goal, but hotelier, I'm sure that creates a, a new conversation. I mean, I don't think any brand has really given strong guidance on that. And of course, every franchise is different on how they take that guidance in the first place. But have you found a, a best process or a way to bridge that conversation from a DOS standpoint? When you are talking to your regional and saying, hey, this is what they're presenting, um, what, what's kind of that process look like? Yeah, it's. I've always seen my job with Conference Direct as explaining both sides to each side. So in other words, I'm explaining the, the hotel side to my clients to make sure their expectations are practical and realistic. And obviously explaining to my client or the, the hotel, my client's perspective. Ultimately, I work for my clients and my job is to get the best, most favorable deal for them. But being able to put myself in the hotel in your shoes and understand there are you know, legitimate constraints. In fact, I'll tell you, sometimes I use the hotel's talking points as part of an argument against them to a certain extent because they're, they're also telling us they're having trouble keeping staff. They're having trouble staffing back up again. And so while they're, in one hand, making the case, well, you can't cancel because you know, we're, we're open again, the question becomes, okay, you're open, but to what capacity? You've been running at you know, 30 or 40% for the last several months. Are you really equipped to now suddenly jump from 30% to 90% when my group comes in-house? And so those kind of conversations, look, you approach everything with a partnership mentality on both the hotel side, as much as that word sometimes can uh, almost be used as a give me something for free kind of kind of word, mm-hmm. like, hey, we're partners. You know, you should, you should just do this to me for free because we're partners. I really yeah. believe in more robust definition of the word partnership where we're truly trying to find solutions for both sides. And in this climate, I think that word partnership has been, has been you know, maximized perhaps. You know, we're really trying to find solutions that it's not going to be punitive to the hotel side. It's not going to be punitive to the client side, but it's a solution that can work for both recognizing that we can't do what we thought we were going to do when we initially contracted. Let's find a solution that you think will make you whole, right? Definitely. Yeah. And that's exactly it. So it's almost uh, to that uh, same token where the value of a rebook clause comes into play, right? It's that opportunity that, I mean, the group itself may not come to fruition to that size. At the same token too, the hotel may not be able to produce that size. You know, with the, the thought going of the restrictions for food and beverage, of how many people can be per, you know, per seat per area. I mean, in the States here, of course, everything's opening. Everything is uh, saying that, well, now we can do this, we can do that. But there's still restrictions on what that looks like when it comes to an event, especially an in-person event, concerts and such. So definitely an area where there, there is a bit of restrictions where the hotel can't, you know, produce certain things either. So uh, that, you know, to your point, it is that that give and take of, you know, how can we still make this happen and come whole on this side, but also make it so it's beneficial to the client side. So definitely uh, quite the challenge and, and conversations and ways to look at it. And the challenge beyond that is when it comes to a cancellation or that rebook, have you found hotels give you a you know, 60 day leeway? Because, you know, I mean, 30, 60 days, it seems like by the month, by every two weeks, the, the governors are changing what restrictions fit in place. I live in Washington. So 
our governor recently announced that, yeah, we're going to reopen. And then more recently announced, oh, actually, you know what, just kidding. We're going to you know, put a hold on that for the time being due to other pieces to it. So have you seen and heard on your side, hotels finding ways to adjust their cancellation clause to kind of fit within that norm, within that idea, so that they can adjust based off of the group's needs on that side? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's a little harder, I think, when the contract is already signed for you know a future event that you signed pre-COVID to renegotiate those terms. But anything that's definitely booked within this year, I'm almost telling hotels, if you want this business, you're going to have to at least be you know, 80% attrition allowable and full, you know, or for cancellation or both, right? You know, we're, and we have that, I think that window now, we're, we're slowly coming to the end of that window because again, business is back and, and hotels are, are, are getting a little bit more of a foothold in the, in the negotiation process to, to say, look, if you don't, you know, we'll go, we'll move on to the next group right now if, if you don't mm-hmm. want to, you know, if, if you want to sign with cancellation terms. But, you know, look, I think every case is individual too. I, I work with several medical groups. And so again, yeah. and they're in Florida. Great. You might, business might be back in Florida, but I've got medical, you know, professionals who are on the front lines and whose practices have been completely, you know, turned upside down, much like hotels, I guess. And so why you can make the case that business is, is back, quote unquote, not every, not every group acts the same. And so I think my approach has been with every single hotel to take every single one on a case-by-case basis. I try and communicate early and often. If I think there is even a hint that this group is going to be impacted, I start, mm-hmm. you know, say in December, I start the conversations now to say, hey, we're not making any decisions right now. We're not looking to cancel, but I need you to know the risks that are involved moving forward. And Ray, you hit a key point, right? You know, in most situations, you're able to relatively predict what's going to happen in six to 12 months. I mean, we're within like sometimes a six hour window where, you know, laws are being rewritten and changed and you almost don't even know, you know, it's really hard to pinpoint what the government is going to say. And now you multiply that. Like I said, I have some international clients. Let's multiply that by multiple governments in multiple states in multiple cities, you know, there, there's so many different moving factors to this. And the hotels are great. I, I haven't had too many problems to be quite frank with you. I've had one or two hotels really dig in their heels that ultimately had to give way because they weren't even open by the time the conference oh, happened. Man. Yeah, believe it or not, right? They were, they were fighting cancellation for so long and then ultimately they couldn't have taken it if they wanted to. But anyway, you know, most hotels are willing to really do a deep dive into the group to talk practical solutions. Um, very fortunate. And I, I'll be, you know, take kind of add another wrinkle to the whole thing. It's really, dif- dif- it depends on the market. Like for now, I'm hearing hotels in Miami have had their strongest year ever in 2021 mm-hmm. and, and to date at least. And that to me blows my mind. I'm thinking, how can you have that in, you know, in a pandemic? How can you have your best year, best months in certain months ever, especially in a city like Miami during March where it's always busy season, but they're having record marches right now. Probably not the same thing for Boise, right? Probably not the same thing for somewhere middle of the country where they're not a vacation spot where there's a ton of leisure demand that's suddenly driving a lot of business too. So, mm-hmm. you know, each hotel is a different case. Each group is a different case. And I think it's my job to try and bridge the gap between what the hotel expects, what the client expects and find a happy middle ground. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and you touched on a great piece there too that, I mean, you know, you look at Florida as a, a one of the outliers when it comes to most of the industry because they had a governor who really pushed to keep things open and thus their industry was able to kind of rebound because that pent up demand to travel well there's only one place you could really travel the country was florida and on top of that we couldn't leave the country really to travel outside of the country so really that really pushed 
a great spot there to your point that leisure demand of those areas i mean airbnb camping you know you look at a lot of the other pieces in the areas of, of hospitality saw a bigger push but to your point you have those uh, middle america that didn't quite see that level because they're not those destination markets that are going to see that that drive happening so it, it's interesting to see. I, I know that from my end, I know I had friends and family over here in Washington would drive over to Idaho. You touched on Boise. Would drive over there because their state was more open. So they would yeah. just drive over there and go within the driving distance. It's just a couple hours away. So it's an easy drive. But to your point, besides that, the feeder market's right there. You're not going to get much else outside of that. So you know, like you would for Florida or Disney World being open, for example, over there was a huge driver. Disneyland in California now, of course, reopening and later on this month, opening up to travelers outside of the state. I'm sure, you know, California is going to start seeing an influx within the Anaheim market, people returning back to the area and start seeing that travel come back, that leisure demand continuing to, to increase for the summer. So that's definitely an exciting piece to see. But how have you seen on the business side, when it comes to business travel, business meetings coming back up, have you guys seen that influx? Of course, I, I kind of touched on with you offline here earlier about Nolan. Nolan did their report seeing that looking at the main numbers, that 2019 numbers are against what we saw in 2021 and just slightly underneath for attendees and slightly underneath for meeting space used. So, you know, according to their end, you're really kind of seeing that numbers come back to where they were before for pre-pandemic. Have you guys seen that on the conference direct side? Absolutely. Our, our, our every month over month now, we're sort of almost, we're not quite at the pace of doubling our lead volume, but we're certainly seeing an increase, uh, steady increase in leads. All the hotels I talk to or you know, have conversations with them as I'm talking about a certain group and just trying to gauge how the hotels are doing, they're all saying the same thing too. The lead volume is almost back to pre-pandemic levels. I, you know, I think, Ray, we're seeing a massive pent-up demand for people to get out of the house, to travel again. You, you're obviously seeing that on the leisure side where there's not, you know, there's not as many moving parts as a group. But even from a group side, I, I heard someone say not too long ago, you know, what I wouldn't give to have a cheap glass of wine in a ballroom surrounded by, you know, uh, a thousand strangers, right? You know, right. It's, there's a massive pent of demand for people to get back out. You know, we say so often in our industry that meetings mean business. Mm -hmm. Now that we've been without meetings, I think that that rings true even more. You know, there, there there's it's an amazing way that technology has filled in the gap in the last year. I thought that's that's been one of the lessons that some of my clients have actually had a record attendance on virtual programs because it just opened up a whole new avenue for people to, to access. You know, say you have an association of 10,000 people and annual attendance is 1,000 people per, per meeting. Well, you know, you can now tap into those other 9,000 people in a virtual space where they're not required to travel and they don't have as many scheduling conflicts. And suddenly you have 1,500 or 2,000 people, right, for a conference uh, virtually. So that's been one of the learnings that I think we'll take forward from this. But to get back to the point, you know, it's such a, a, there's nothing like a face-to-face -face meeting. There's nothing like being able to, you know, shake a hand, to deal with something face-to-face, -to, -face, to grab a coffee with someone who you have pending business with, and to really uh, move the needle. I think you, you accomplish so much in a short amount of time face-to-face. -face. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that the man come back, especially since people are just itchy to get out and, and travel again, you know? Oh, for sure. For sure. I know for speaking yeah. from my own personal experience uh, in my industry, I actually had the opportunity to travel recently to Las Vegas and go visit some clients there and have a chance nice. to exactly to, to your point, shake hands, get that, that, that verbal uh, conversation going face to face, enjoy a bite together and actually, you know, be able to engage uh, in conversation. I'm working with a client right now in Mexico, actually, that I'm working to go on site with them to go help train their team, do on site trainings. I mean, 
working in the hospitality industry and having my background in hospitality, I, I'm a firm believer that in order for us to continue this trend, especially seeing business travel come back, we have to be the leaders in that, hoteliers, as part of that, yes. doing that train, doing that ability. If we have something that we're bringing a new system in, if we're bringing a new event in or have a, a time that we need a, a conversation to happen for our hotels, we should bring that person on site. We should be on-site trainings, on-site conversations that bring those meetings back. And that's going to help keep that, that momentum going and help other people outside of the industry see that, well, if our industry is doing it, we're showing that we are very much so involved and feel like it's safe to do it. But with that same idea, you touched on a, another great piece about the virtual attendance. How have you seen hybrid events start taking transformation within the industry? Yeah, it's tricky because I've heard a lot of feedback from my clients that say, you'd be surprised at the amount of resources we have to throw at a virtual event where, you know, to have, it's almost easier to do an in-person event than it is to do virtual simply because of all the moving parts behind the scenes. You don't think of these things sometimes. You just think you flip the, you know, a Zoom call button and everyone can kind of <laughs> dial in, right? But it's, it's not, it's not that easy. So the resources I think um, are going to be the ultimate deciding factor as to how many clients do take a, a, a virtual or hybrid model into the future. But again, I think it opens, it has opened people's eyes to see that, you know, even if it's just for the main sessions, right? Your general sessions, maybe not all the breakouts will make it to the to the to the virtual platform, but it's a way to keep people connected. You have people from around the world that are interested in your product or your services or your message or whatever it is, whether it be part of a company or part of a you know a non-compulsory attendance where you're offering information. There are different ways that people can connect. So I guess that's kind of a, a long way around to the answer is it all depends mm -hmm. how many people will use virtual going into the future. But I think, again, it's been a true learning for me to, to be able to offer those services. We with Conference Direct actually have a really good virtual platform uh, to be able to offer that hybrid option or just a pure virtual option for months where perhaps not everyone can get together. And then, of course, we have our, our full meeting resources for the, for the in-person meetings as well that we, that we cater to and that's been our business bread and butter for years. But, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, finances will have a lot to do with it, but certainly it's been a learning that virtual can be a really great resource for groups going forward. Yeah. And I mean, on the same token, have you found that hotels have been able to step up to the challenge? I mean, not every hotel is a full service property where you have companies like PSAV who can really handle that holistic AV approach, uh, making sure that things are understood. But you have the select service properties, you know, the residents ends of the world who don't have an onsite IT person who usually falls on the DOS or somebody else in the team that knows enough to help get things done. Have you found an uptick in the demand for uh, companies looking for something with on-site AV or have you um, really kind of just seen that they know enough to make it work nowadays? Yeah, you make a good point. I, I'll be honest, I don't do a ton of business with limited service properties to, to, to test that theory or test how their, what their resources are. And my first direction when I'm dealing with my clients is pointing to the resources that we have within Conference Direct. Although I will say I've been bombarded with emails from hotels and marketing pieces where they are saying we have the capabilities. We have our in-house staff that can help you with all of your virtual resources. A lot of my clients prefer to kind of keep it all in-house. Since we're doing the meeting already, we'll, we'll do the virtual component. Obviously, we have to work hand-in-hand -hand with some portion of the AV like we would in any other situation mm -hmm. with, a, with a big group. But yeah, I, I would say that majority of hotels have figured that piece out where they're able to do the, the virtual piece. They're able to do the hybrid piece with their in-house AV. And then obviously, you know, we have the resources to with Conference Direct, and I think a lot of our competitors as well do. 
it's it's really been i think you know march april may of last year we were like deer in headlights we had no idea what even a virtual meeting was most of us <laughs> at least i speak for myself right yeah it just wasn't in our wheelhouse we, we do live in-person events and that was what i did with all of my clients and suddenly we had to adapt it was a, you know, probably one of the biggest words of of uh, 2020 adapt or pivot or whatever yep. it was yep. um and i think on our side as 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 you know, meetings professionals and the hotel side, I think we've done a pretty good job stepping up to the plate and put the resources in place for virtual for sure. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it definitely threw us for all for a bit of a loop. I know that's definitely yeah. a lot to learn there and pick up. And I know even just talking to colleagues in the industry, just hearing a lot of conversations of having to learn how to upgrade their circuits and what the bandwidth means and how their APs can be affected by people using Wi-Fi versus hardline in and how APs can't handle it. So they maybe need to double up on that or get something better to their infrastructure. And definitely a lot of conversations along that end of people understanding what each each component is, where we all kind of just took it as, yeah, it's, it's in there. It does things. There's a little server room in there. It, we use it for storage. And that's kind of about it. So, <laughs> Ray, I've had to learn more about AV and technological side of the, the industry than I've ever really had the desire to learn in the last year. But it's, it's you know, I think, like you said, we're all learning on the fly, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. And to that point, yeah. actually, uh, one, one thing we had touched on too briefly offline was the guest experience side of things. I'm sure, you know, from yourself, from traveling uh, to Mexico, as well as conversations, how have you heard? the guest experience side change with the meetings that have gone on site and just from your own personal experience? Yeah, so Mexico for me, I, really the only big group I've been to during the pandemic or kind of post-pandemic period here was in Mexico. To me, service in Mexico is, is optimal. It's always been great. I was very pleased with what I found there in Mexico. I, ha I can tell you from my clients' experiences and hearing from them as they start to get back out, even on leisure travel, uh, not so much with some hotels in the U.S. I think that that's really, as we move forward and we do start to see meetings come back, my biggest concern, to be frank, is staffing levels at the hotel. Not only staffing levels, but the quality of the staff. You know, we're, we're seeing, we saw last year, a massive, you know, exodus of, of quality and qualified hotel people, some by choice and many by force. You know, there was a lot of people who were furloughed or laid off and as the months and you know year went on, they found other industries to go to. So the people that you know I rely on, I've joked, I'm looking forward to going back to to like an IMEX or to one of these these you know meeting conventions just to see who's left, to see who yeah. I, who who I knew and who I know now, and to meet the new faces. So I think you know to get back to the point of staffing. My big concern, I have a really big group coming up in August in Orlando. And I'm concerned that the hotel, my client was actually there recently for another program and had a really shocking experience. The, the hotel simply was not ready for business to be back to where it was. We've addressed it with the hotel. They've given all kinds of assurances that they're revamping staff. That weekend was just an anomaly. But unfortunately, I'm hearing it across the board where you know hotels simply are not prepared or they're really having trouble getting staffing back to the levels that they want, even if they are prepared. Even if they're saying, we want to hire people, they're not finding that right mix and not they're not getting responses to some of their yeah. you know their job offers in a speedy enough time. So that's definitely been part of the conversation we've been having. All of my groups coming up in, into the fall and into the winter here, I've already had conversations with the hotels to gauge how they're staffing. What, are the, what does it look like? Going on TripAdvisor to start seeing reviews that are recent to see how people mm -hmm. have been treated. Mm -hmm. I think one thing you have to be careful of, and it's, it's a point to remember, you know, a lot of the business, especially as you look at a place like Florida or perhaps Texas, you know, a lot of the travel that's been happening there in these group houses 
have been leisure travel and the hotel might not be set up to, you know, they're, they're used to a thousand people coming in and out and you, you know, yep. corral them into the ballroom and you have, you feed them in one spot, you corral them out and everything's planned. When you now have a thousand leisure guests coming to your property, it completely changes the game of what the service expectations are or the points of service, I should probably say, within the hotel. So in fairness, you've got to keep that in mind as you're judging hotels or you're hearing about experiences at hotels because group movements are very, very different than leisure movements for the same amount of people. But the point remains, and I think it's something that we on our side of the industry representing our clients have to really be beating the drum about, you know, is guys in guys in hotels, get your staff up. Get them trained. Get your get your old employees back if you can who knew what they were doing. Because right now, you know, you you we're no longer in the pandemic phase of staffing right now. We need to be back to full level staffing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can't speak for every single hotel and every every hotel is unique. But as a general comment of the industry right now, if you're not fully staffed, you need to be and need to be soon because business is coming back for sure. Yeah, definitely a lot of great points there and definitely something we've been hearing a lot in the industry. So now, of course, the new pandemic is a staffing crisis, right? It's the the fact that they can't find people. We've been in some different seminars, webinars, and different conversations with industry leaders who were talking about, even using Orlando, for example, where they used to pay you know $14 an hour, $15 an hour for housekeeping. They've had to bump it to 18, 19, 20 an hour, but it still aren't finding qualified candidates. And they're finding candidates that They'll get trained up and then another hotel will come and poach them because they have a higher pay. Those keep going after each other. It's a, a challenge that even in that area and that market is where one hotel is competing with the next for qualified talent. And, and beyond that, Florida Atlantic University, um, Dr. Peter Ricci had did a study recently with his team there that they looked at people in the industry who had participated in their program during the pandemic of their hospitality tourism program, certificate program there and found that most of those people who participated in the program left the industry altogether. Um, ultimately, there were senior people who had been in the industry for a you know, decade plus, who had been in the industry and knew what they were doing. They knew the nuances of the property. They knew their hotel, you know, exactly to your point of those people who were those senior people that are there are no longer available anymore, no longer in the industry. They've moved on to different opportunities. So now you have those younger staff who don't exactly know some of those nuances, don't know how to handle certain situations. Contracting, I'm sure, has become a challenge in itself. But beyond that is hotels now have to invest in training programs and find ways to train the staff because now all those senior people who would have naturally done that training aren't there anymore. So really it's kind of reinventing how we're doing things and the approaches to things. So you definitely touched on a lot of great points and definitely what we're hearing across the industry is how to retain talent, how to find the talent. Have you kind of heard of any best practices or recommendations on that side? Well, before I get the best practices, Ray, I want to just piggyback on something you're saying. You know, it, it, this is me on my soapbox, so forgive me for, for preaching here, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, we, I come from the hotel side of things, and, I, and you know, I've been in those meetings where the general manager stands up and, and you know, they'll applaud their associate of the month and talk about how, it's, you know, it's not brick and mortar that really makes an event or a guest experience. It's the, it's the guest interaction with their, our associates and we value our associates so much. And the number one asset we have is our associates. And unfortunately, and, and, and this, I think, has been one of the learnings, you know, of, of the pandemic. That really wasn't true. When you saw, I understand that hotels had to make tough decisions during the pandemic. It was a very, very hard time and there was not a lot of business coming in. But, you know, when you hear stories about entire staffs being laid off by email, when you hear, you know, 
stories of, 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 you know, people furloughed without any definite knowledge. Not that there was a definite answer to give, but certainly communication from the hotel, the hotel they work for, for sometimes 10, 20, 25 years. I don't think they value their employees as much as they said. And when the, when the, when the rubber hit the road, the employees were one of the first to go. And, and I'm not saying it was an easy decision. I'm not implying that, you know, you can just keep everyone on payroll when you have no income coming in. I get that portion of it. But I do think that the, the reckoning that's happening now, you know, some people are blaming government programs, and I'm sure that's a tiny sliver of why folks aren't going back. But I think there are a lot of larger issues where hotels have gotten away. You know, we kept hearing leading up to the pandemic where hotels were having record year after record year after record year, and every year they'd break their previous year's records. They were making money, and they have money and resources. Uh, the minute the downturn happened is when they got rid of staff, and I think that that left a, a, a part of the people that left. I know some of the people that left the industry. They left because of that bitter taste. It's like, look, I've, I've given my life to this company, and within a few short months of, of tough times, I'm treated like I'm very expendable. So I'm hoping to get back to my original point. Now that now I'm moving from dark to light right now, I'm hoping that the learning here is – you know, value your employees more. Like there are ways, if you talk about investing in people and that the guest experience is really about the associates, value the associates and show them that you're sticking with them even through hard times as best as you possibly can, recognizing there are a lot of constraints with that. So I'm hoping that as these conversations go on in the HR departments and on the executive committee level of what they need to, to, to do to keep staff, it is, mm-hmm. is exactly that. It's finding those best practices, Ray. You know, obviously wage increases is part of that, right? You know, valuing work-life balance. How many people do we know in the hotel industry work, you know, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, particularly in food and beverage outlets or banquets? You know, my one criticism, I would say, of the, of the hotel that I was just in, in in Mexico was that the person that I was, that was my main point of contact was there all the time. And I, 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 I appreciate that level of commitment. And I feel bad at the same time. You should have a rotating staff. I should not have to deal with you all the time. I mean, I would be up at 630 down in the ballroom and that person was there. And then at 1030 at night, that person was there finishing up the banquet. And, you know, they were, they were there pretty much all day long. So those are the kind of things I hope for a more equitable workspace that, that treats our, our associates. If, if we really do value our associates as hoteliers, and I say we, I'm no longer a hotelier, but in this industry, I should say, if we value as, as we say we do in this industry, it's time to start showing that a lot better. And I'm hoping, again, I'm not on that side again to be having these conversations. I'm aware they're happening, but I'm hoping that some of the changes that come out of this from an associate standpoint are far more equitable than what we've seen in the past. And people are going to feel like this is not almost an, you know, an abusive relationship where you're giving, you're giving everything and you're not getting a fair amount in return. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Um, no, definitely. That's exactly it. Yeah. And I was going to say, actually, to that point, in BITAC, it was a, a recent conference I went to. And you know, one of the industry leaders there, as the CEO of his company, he's, uh, he said, you know, as CEO, I wanted to make sure to award and reward all of my managers that were there and stuck with me, stuck through, the, through with us through this pandemic. And he's like, unfortunately, the only thing I'm rewarding them with is saying, hey, I need you to work more because I can't staff you. Um, he's like, I can't find qualified staff. So for him, it was hard and, and really took that uh, to heart because he said, you know, exactly it to your point. He wants to reward those, especially those that stuck through um, and say, thank you for sticking through and do that. But, you you know, you touched on a lot of great spots. There are a lot of great points that really does, you know, this is that time where that, that work-life balance, that rewarding and recognizing associates and making that be known that, hey, you know, this is going to change. This is not how the industry is going to work. But, you know, it's kind of how it's always been. I mean, the, the joke in the industry is right, is that we, we're glutton for punishment. That's why we do it. 
because we love <laughs> hotels, we love hospitality, we love people. Uh, and we know that not everybody's going to be the, the best traveler in the world for us. But no, it's a lot of great points. Jerry, do you have one last thought you'd like to share with everybody before we wrap up for today? Well, I mean, Ray, this is a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's great just to kind of chat about different trends in the industry and to hear your perspective as well. You know, I think, you know, I guess, I don't know, parting words of wisdom, right? We're, we're all learning as we get through this pandemic, even on the tail end of it. I think we're seeing a completely different landscape. One of the lessons, I guess, if I could close with a thought, you know, uh, and this kind of ties into the point we were just making about caring for associates as employers, but care for each other, right? You know, I know a lot of people who have struggled tremendously within the last year, particularly within our industry. I haven't been the best at this, but I've tried to make it a point to reach out to three or four people, sometimes five people a day, just to say, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Not through your official email channels, but more on like WhatsApp or Facebook mm -hmm. or Instagram, some of the social media platforms that should check in with people. People are hurting. And I think that there's, while we're on the way out of this, I think that, that we take some of the lessons of, of caring for each other into this post-pandemic era where where our, our mental health, our physical health takes a priority to breaking our neck for, for a paycheck. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. That's perfect. Well said. Well, again, as you touched on, it's been a pleasure to have you here as well. So definitely appreciate the insights and uh, sharing some of what you're seeing right now and the industry and yeah, definitely some, some changes are coming. And I think that uh, there's a lot of, a lot of positivity going to come out of this. So as always, of course, thank you everybody else for joining us as well. And stay tuned for the next hotel moment. We have some more industry guests lined up that are actually following very well along with what Jeremy's saying here. So definitely more to come on this. So thank you again, Jeremy. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again soon. Cheers. Thank you.